All right, we are back. And I'm so excited to get into today's topic. But before I get carried away, welcome. <laughs> welcome, everyone, to another episode of Full Definition, where we're exploring the fullness of life that Jesus talks about when he says the very reason that he came was to give everyone, that's you and I, full life. Life to the full. And here on FD, we're looking at what does that mean? What does that really look like? And how can we get some of that, or more of that rather, into our everyday lives? And I'm so excited to get into today's topic. I know I always say I'm excited, but I'm really excited to get into this topic because we get to pick up where we left off last time, looking at gratitude. Now, in the last episode, if you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. We looked at gratitude. We set a baseline for it. We looked at how we can expand the scope of things we're grateful for and what that does for us, right? How that enriches our lives. And then we got into the story of Joseph and his brothers. And we got to the point where he had been betrayed by his brothers. They had sold him off as a slave to Egypt. And just after he had shared with them the dreams and visions that he had for his life. And we're going to jump back into the story because ah, there is just so much in here. And so y'all need to get comfortable. Like, if you're jogging, get into your stride. If you're sitting down, you know, get yourself a cup of tea or in fact, if you wanted to get super comfortable, lie down on the sofa and chill out because we're going to dive into this story. And there's so much to bring out. There's so much to bring out that I think will really enrich our lives. So let's get cracking. Okay, so in case you're jumping right into this episode and haven't yet listened to the previous episode, I'm going to do a recap of Joseph's story. Joseph is one of 12 brothers. And he happened to be his father's favorite son. And his 10 older brothers hated him. They really, really hated him. And everything he did just made them hate him more. And it got to the point where they tried to kill him. They plotted to kill him. But one of the brothers intervened. And then they ended up selling him as a slave to some merchants that they just happened to come across. And now... The merchants had taken Joseph to Egypt and a man called Potiphar had bought him as a slave. And Potiphar was the captain of the royal guard at that time. And so we get into the story. The story says, I love this. I really love it. It says the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in the sight of his master and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had he put in Joseph's hands. And so it was from the time that he put everything in Joseph's hands that everything he had was going so well. The Lord blessed everything in the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. And so... Potiphar decided to leave everything, absolutely everything, to Joseph's hands to the point that he did not know what he had except for the food that he ate. That is amazing. 
And this is what I'm most excited to talk about in today's episode because of the difference I can see and I have seen that it makes in my own life. The presence of God. Wow. In those times when I've been in a really difficult situation, really, really dark place, and I just can't find anything, absolutely anything to be grateful for at all. I'm not getting any boost. In fact, all the things I can see are weighing me down. When I suddenly notice the difference that the presence of God makes in my life, I'm then just suddenly so grateful for the presence of God. We can see in Joseph's story, he found favor with Potiphar just because of the presence of God. This is just one thing. There are so many other things that the presence of God adds to our lives. And we're going to get into some of those things later. But wow, I'm just really grateful in those situations where I can't find anything to be grateful for. This is the one constant in my own life that I am so grateful for. And then I can get that gratitude boost when I'm feeling weighed down. Getting a boost when you're feeling weighed down is so good. All right, so Joseph had gotten a boost. He had been promoted. He was now the sort of chief overseer of everything in Potiphar's house. And it was going so well. And this is what the the story says. It says that Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And that just means he's a 10 out of 10, as they say. And it came to pass that after these things had happened, after all the promotion, Potiphar's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. Oh my goodness. You know, you know, you know when uh, you, you're you sitting there minding your own business, doing your own thing, working away, focusing and enjoying the benefits of everything that has been going well in your life. Especially after something has just gone wrong. You know, you've had a really bad situation, just been sold as a slave. And then things start to pick up. And then suddenly out of nowhere, trouble comes to find you. Oh my goodness. And then when I was younger, we used to call those kind of people trouble makers. They manufacture trouble and bring it to you. Why? We really have to watch out for those kind of people in our lives. Man, be on your guard. Anyway, let's get back to the story. So Joseph refused Potiphar's wife and said, Look, my master doesn't know what he has committed to my care. Everything he has, he has given to me. And he hasn't held anything back except you because you're his wife. For goodness sake, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I mean, I loved his response there because I was like, yeah, man. Tell her no. (laughs) But also, you might be thinking, hang on a minute. Joseph seems a little bit confused. Why would sleeping with Potiphar's wife be a sin against God? Surely, God is not involved here. The people involved are Joseph and Potiphar's wife. But you might want to lean in here because this is one of the things that I'm so grateful for. And it's the benefits of the presence of God. And we see here in Joseph's life, one of these benefits, which is a different perspective of people. It's one which we get when we are in proximity, when we continue to spend time in the presence of God. 
we acquire this new way of seeing people that protects our relationships. And the way I understand it is this. The more time I have spent in God's presence, the more I have understood and known his love for me and just how incredible it is. And not just for me, but for every single person on the planet. Everyone. And I think of it this way. If you think of a very, very close family with healthy, strong, loving relationships, if someone comes along and does something, let's say that person who comes along kills someone in that family, it's not just an offense to the person who was killed, or maybe, maybe even not killed. They severely hurt that person. It's not just an offense to the person who was hurt, but it's an offense to the whole family. Everyone who loves the person that was hurt so much is also impacted, is also offended. It's the same with God. Anyone who hurts the people that God loves, which is everybody everywhere, God takes it as you doing it to him. You're hurting the people that he loves. Because the Bible says, God so loved the world. Not a particular people group or a particular subset of humanity. The world. So Joseph's perspective is now love for God, knowing that God loves him and loves everyone else, including Potiphar's wife. And he's saying, no, I can't do this because I would be hurting God if I hurt you. Now, just imagine a world where everyone has this perspective of not wanting to hurt anyone because God loves everyone. Just imagine. All right, let's get back and see what happened to Joseph. The story says that Potiphar's wife asked him to sleep with her day by day. I mean, poor dude. I mean, you're just trying to do your own job day by day. And every time he refused. And then there was this one day, it says, that Joseph was in the house doing his work and none of the other servants were inside. And then Potiphar's wife caught him by his shirt saying, sleep with me. But he left his shirt in her hands and ran outside. I love that response from Joseph. I mean, he's doing his very, very best to resist the temptation to sleep with this woman. I mean, every day. Oh my goodness. It's tough enough. And then when trouble finally gets him in his claws, Joseph doesn't sort of go, well, it has me now. Let me try and see if I can negotiate my way out. Maybe, you know, see whether I can talk my way or reason. No, no. Run! <laughs> That is the response that we need. When trouble actually gets a grip on us, we have to run. Leave whatever it is gripping behind and run. Yo, I mean, just imagine. <laughs> think, of, think of this scenario. If we're sitting or lying or running wherever we are right now, if a huge lion jumps out and we see it, we're not going to go, Ooh, this lion is so adorable. I wonder if I reach my hand out, it will shake. No, no, no. You're literally thinking, run! And you're sprinting. In fact, before you even think, it's instinctive. You're sprinting in the opposite direction to wherever the lion is to try and save yourself. And that's the reaction that we need sometimes. Not all, not sometimes, all the time when we, we get into situations where it seems like we're caught. 
We have to run. Don't negotiate with it. Don't try and figure out a way. Don't try and compromise or anything like that. Just run. Get out of there. And Joseph did exactly that. He ran. And so when Potiphar's wife saw that he had left his shirt in her hand and run outside and didn't go as she planned, she plotted against him. Another plot against Joseph. She called in the other servants and said, look, this man, Joseph, was attempting to sleep with me. And I screamed and you guys came running. And then when I screamed, he ran outside before you came. Basically lying through her face. (laughs) And when her husband came back, when Potiphar returned, she told the same lie to Potiphar, knowing that he would respond in anger. Of course, who would not be angry when they learn that someone tried to sleep with their wife? So she manipulated the whole situation using her position of privilege and tries to discredit Joseph by calling him a foreigner, saying, this foreigner that you brought into our house has come to mock me. And it's just, I mean, we see that all the time. There's nothing new under the sun, right? People using their privilege, trying to undermine the position of a foreigner and get them into trouble. And so Potiphar is obviously enraged and he can't believe what he's hearing. And so he gets Joseph thrown into prison. So as if slavery wasn't bad enough for Joseph, he was now thrown into prison for a crime he did not commit. But I love what the story says again because it says, And the Lord was with Joseph. And Joseph again found favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And then the keeper of the prison appointed him as, you know, an overseer for all the other prisoners in in the place where Joseph was being kept. And it is noted that, again, the warden saw that God was with Joseph. There was just something about Joseph and the way that he worked and did what he was asked to do. And so what happened as the story goes on, we see that two other servants of the king, Pharaoh, the baker and the butler, were also thrown into the same prison where Joseph was kept. And then the warden committed them into Joseph's care. And one day, Joseph was going about his normal business, checking in on everyone, and he noticed that both of them were sad. And I love that about Joseph. He noticed that both of them were sad. And then he, he came, he asked them, he's like, why are you sad? What's, what's happened? And then they told him each of them had a dream on the same night. And then Joseph says, well, tell me the dream. Interpretations of dreams belongs to God. Let's just ask him and see what he says to us. And so they tell, each of them tells Joseph their dream. And Joseph interprets their dream, saying to the butler, You will be reinstated in three days to your role in service to the king. You're going to become the butler again and be serving him wine. But unfortunately for the baker, the story is not so good. He says, in three days, you will be killed. And that's exactly what happens. In three days, the butler is reinstated. He's serving wine. It's Pharaoh's birthday. And everything is going well. And then on the same day, something happens and Pharaoh decides... That's the end of the line for the baker. And so it happened just as Joseph had said. Okay, so check this out. I think there's something here that I've missed so many times. 
And it's something that I now see that I'm so grateful for. And it's really, really amazing. It's the gifts and the talents and the skills that we have. I've never really thought to be grateful for those. I'm so grateful that I, you know, all these things that I was born with the potential to learn and develop and that I have developed and that I'm able to use in any situation that I find myself. You see, Joseph here was gifted in stewardship. Definitely, I mean, like, in Potiphar's house, he was appointed chief caretaker. He was put as the overseer of everything. And then he gets thrown into prison. And it's the same thing. He gets appointed an overseer of other prisoners. And definitely these are two different, you know, masters, the warden and Potiphar, both see the same gifting in Joseph. And that's so amazing that in the midst of a terrible situation, he's just been thrown into prison, but his gifting, the skills that he has, the talents that he has, what he's able to do in service to others is what is being recognized. And when he applies it to the task that he's been given, it makes the experience, the whole experience, slightly better. And this is one one of the benefits, I think, that the presence of God gives us, is that when you have the presence of God, you almost have a reassurance that you yourself are being looked after. And so you have the space to be compassionate. You know, Joseph was compassionate. He saw and recognized that the butler and the baker were sad. And he didn't only notice, but he actually stopped and talked to them. He asked about it. You know, he wasn't consumed by his own well-being or by his own position or what was happening to him, his own story, trying to, you know, get himself out of prison. No, he was very focused on his job and doing it so well that he was attentive to the feelings and the change in feelings of others. See, I'm grateful for the presence of those gifts and talents and the skills. But just merely having the presence and not taking advantage of the things that we have, you know, doesn't help us. What really helps in a difficult situation is actually using our gifts and talents fully to help others. I mean, Joseph even used his gift of interpreting dreams that he had now developed to help the butler and baker, at least to help them interpret their dreams. Now, at this point in the story, I think it's really important to say that the presence of God does not mean the absence of trouble. We can see very clearly in Joseph's story that he had a lot of trouble. And then we keep getting told again and again that the Lord was with Joseph. So the presence of God does not mean the absence of trouble. And it doesn't mean that everything you do will be going well and nothing bad will ever happen to you. No. But what we see here is that the presence of God was noticed by other people. And this is what happened. I mean, in the prison, there might have been other people who were skilled in stewardship, perhaps. Maybe not to the same extent as Joseph was, but maybe they had skills. But what got Joseph noticed and what got Joseph promoted was the mark of the presence of God. It was that sign, the presence of God, the Lord is with this person. And so God doesn't sort of put a bubble around his children and you know protect them from every single thing that's happening in the world no we live in the world and and broken things happen in in this world you know there is injustice um i mean the story of joseph reminds me of a story i heard recently of a man called johnny d mcmillan who was falsely accused of a crime of murder you know that he did not he did not commit and imprisoned and he was put on death row in the u.s 
And it's just so horrible because the only witness in his case, the basis of his conviction, was from a man of dubious character who himself was in prison. And you're thinking, how in the world? And he spent years in prison. And it's just so sad to see that this injustice that happened to Joseph thousands of years ago still happens today in our society. We all go through life in this world and we live through the experiences of the ups and downs and the trials and difficulties. But the amazing thing is that we see for Joseph The presence of God made those extremely difficult circumstances much better. Because of the presence of God, someone noticed him and something good happened. And that's just the difference the presence of God makes. Not not removing us from difficult circumstances. Not removing us from the world. But actually being with us through the difficult challenges and injecting some much needed goodness into the misery of the situation. That's what the presence of God does. Now, side note here, I just because it's in the story, I just think I should mention it. Like, Joseph tried to use his connections to get himself out of prison. So he asked the butler, when you get out, when you get before Pharaoh, put in a good word for me so that I can get out of this prison because I've been put here wrongly. Now, there's nothing wrong with what Joseph asked, but... If that was Joseph's only lifeline, like if Joseph was putting all his faith in the butler, then he was going to be disappointed because the butler completely forgot about him. And how often is that the case for us? When you put all your faith in a person and then they just completely let you down. And so it's important get to get a right perspective here when we're serving and using our gifts and talents and our skills to help others. It is not so that they can in turn come back in the future when they have been elevated, when they're in a higher position, that they can then do us a favor. It's not a scratch my back, I scratch your back approach or attitude that we should take. No, we help because... We have the presence of God already helping us and we are looked after and we can help others. It's just, and that's it. And that's it. You know, Jesus says in Luke 6 that if we only do good to those who are good to us or who we're hoping will do good to us, what credit is it to us? Everyone does that now and look around you. So back to the story. Two years have now passed after the butler gets out. And Pharaoh himself, the king, has two dreams. And he calls together all the wise scholars and, you know, all the priests of all the religions they have around in in, in that time. And he calls all of these people together, people who are supposed to be wise and give good counsel and be able to, you know, speak to the gods, all that kind of stuff. And he tells them his dreams and he says, tell me the interpretation. And no one, absolutely not one of them can tell Pharaoh the meaning of his dreams. And then it is at that point that the butler remembers Joseph and says, hey, wait a minute, when I was in prison, there was this, you know, foreigner dude who interpreted my dream and it came true. Let's get him. And so they bring Joseph before Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him his two dreams. Joseph tells him the interpretation of the dreams belongs to God. It is not, it's not my skill. This is just 
one of the benefits I get from having the presence of God. And so Pharaoh says, yeah, you know, go ahead. And so Joseph goes ahead to interpret the dreams. And the two dreams are actually one and the same message. There will be seven years of bountiful harvest in Egypt, and that will be followed by seven years of severe famine. And so Joseph goes on to make some recommendations, saying, let's set up a strategy to save up the grain in the years of plenty so we can use them to feed ourselves in the years of famine. And Pharaoh is extremely pleased. He accepts the interpretation and he calls all his counselors and says, look, we're not going to be able to find anyone in all the kingdom in whom the spirit of God lives. Again, (laughs) it's just amazing. Different people. (laughs) The, The captain of the guard, the warden of the prison, and the king of the entire nation see the same thing in Joseph. The Lord was with him. Amazing. It's the difference the presence of God makes in our lives. And so Pharaoh appoints Joseph to be prime minister. He appoints him above every existing official in his kingdom apart from himself. And so Joseph becomes second to the king. He gives him a wife. They have a family. They, they He's now living like a royal, like a prince, essentially. This is amazing. And then Joseph executes his strategy for saving up grain, and it goes brilliantly. And he, he uses the same skills of oversight that he has used at different levels to work at a national level, and it is amazing. He does a great job. And so the seven years of famine come, and the famine is not just in Egypt, but it's everywhere. And so we go back to Joseph's brothers. They're starving, so their father sends them to Egypt to buy food. And Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. And guess what? They are bowing down to Joseph. Of course, he's the prince in charge of everything. If you don't bow down to the prince in those days, you don't get any, you don't get to make any deals. You don't get to buy any food and you needed the food. So they're bowing down to Joseph. And Joseph does a number of things to try and test his brothers to see if they would also betray their youngest brother, Benjamin, who was probably most likely to now be the dad's favorite. And after all the tests, he saw that his brothers had truly changed and were willing to sacrifice themselves for the sake of Benjamin. And then he revealed his identity. And the story is so beautiful. Definitely go and read it. It's so beautiful. And we see that at the end of Joseph's father's life, the brothers are afraid. When, when, when their father has passed away, the brothers become afraid, saying, oh, he was being kind to us, you know, all this time because of our father. Now that dad is gone, he's going to get his revenge. But this is the amazing thing Joseph declared to his brothers. He says, look, I know that everything you guys did to me, you actually meant it for evil against me. I know it. But God was with me and he worked out everything so that I could get into this position. And you see, Joseph recognized that he was in this position to save lives, not just the lives of the Egyptians that were benefiting from the whole system that he had set up in place, but also the lives of people from all over, different countries who could come and buy food to survive the famine. And this is the amazing thing about 
having the presence of God and being aware of it and being able to see how God works through all the misery and all the trials and all the tragedy and all the misfortune that happens. He can work out all these things so that his plan, remember that Joseph received a dream that his parents and all his brothers were bowing down to him. That was God revealing what he had planned, saying, I'm going to take you to this position so that you can save lives. And the position will mean that you're in authority and people bow down to you. Now, that's not going to be the case for all of us. We're all not going to be prime minister. But it is the case that God has good plans for us that can still come about in spite of every misfortune, every disappointment, every, you know, tragic thing that has happened to us. In spite of all that, if we have the presence of God, then we, we see that he somehow works out. I don't know how he does it, <laughs> but I'm so grateful that he does it. I'm so grateful that he does it. You know, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen, you know, many years ago, there was a relationship that I was hoping would develop and, you know, grow into, you know, being the one, as I used to think back then. And um, it didn't. Suddenly, we were just separated and I was like, oh, what's going on? It all seemed so tragic and it was very sad. But what happened was that event led to me meeting some of the people I now have as my closest friends today. It's so amazing in the way that out of something that looks, you know, in that moment looks like a tragedy, looks like a loss, just we don't want to happen actually from that comes really good things, like great friends in my own life. So amazing. I love my friends. You know, one of the things I'm so grateful for, especially in the bad times, is the knowledge of the ways of God. Like we see it in Joseph's life, where he decided, actually, you know what, I'm not going to go ahead and sleep with Potiphar's wife. I'm going to do what I think is the way God wants me to do things. And and this is really, really amazing because it blesses our lives. I mean, let's imagine an alternate timeline for Joseph. Let's imagine that instead of doing things God's way, he decided, you know what? I'm going to decide what's good here. I'm going to see how far I can push this to so, you know, still keep it acceptable. I, I'm I'm not going to, you know, sleep with her. But I mean, like an occasional cuddle here and there, you know, or we can just lie down while I'm resting. We can just lie down in the same bed, just, you know, just so I can relax. Um, but I'm not going to do anything. Of course not. No, no, it certainly won't. And then after a while of lying down together, one thing leads to the other. Boom. He sleeps with her and um, he's so sad. He's just so gutted. You know, he's just I can't believe I did that. He feels so terrible because he's a good person. So he really feels terrible. He's apologizing to her and he, you know, doesn't want Potiphar to find out. But now he's working in Potiphar's house, worried every day that one of the other workers, one of the other servants will find out and tell Potiphar. And so he's living with the fear of Potiphar, of being found out because he has done wrong against Potiphar. Okay, so, so let's assume that's it. 
But you know what? I mean, God works all things out for his good, you know? So let's assume that Potiphar himself has a dream. And Joseph is able to interpret the dream. And, and you know, it goes really well. And Potiphar is like, wow, exactly as you said. And then time passes and Pharaoh, the king, has those dreams that he had. That means that, you know, the, the captain of the royal guard can just say to the king, hey, I know this guy who's working in my house. And he interpreted my dream and it came true. Amazing. And then, you know, the same thing happens. Joseph gets appointed prime minister. But <laughs> there is now a manipulative lying woman that has a secret that Joseph doesn't want to be found out. You know, the king has given him a wife. <laughs> and if it comes out that Joseph slept with Potiphar's wife, oh my goodness, that ruins his whole career, right? Like all his credibility down the drain. Everything that has been given to him will probably be taken away. And so Joseph now, as people will say, has more to lose. Well, that's not true. <laughs> but he has more to lose seemingly now because he's now prime minister. And so what happens is, let's say like, you know, the manipulative lying woman says, hey, you, I, I, I want to be prime minister's wife. <laughs> so you have to go along with my scheme to kill my husband. And once I'm done mourning, I'll become your second wife. <laughs> Oh my god, you know, it's getting me worked up thinking about it, how people who are, you know, people who are evil, when, when, they, when they show their character, believe them, when the wife of someone who's married suggests to Joseph, help me cheat on my husband, that's a sign of her character that is not good, do not associate, don't link yourself in any way with that kind of person. You know, it's a real good lesson from this story that we really need to learn, I think. Even though we, we, we you know, what, what, what are we grateful for here? I'm grateful for insight. You know, when you get insight into people's characters, you know who to trust and who to be wary of. I'm grateful for the insight that I get and that I have into people because it helps make good judgments. You know, this whole story is really answering the question, how can I get a gratitude boost in the midst of terrible, awful, or, you know, in the face of trying, difficult, challenging situations? How can I get a gratitude boost? How can I find things to be grateful for? And really, one thing that I see as a theme in this whole story is, don't go it alone. Don't go through that experience alone. Joseph was sort of on his own in a foreign land, but he wasn't really on his own because the Lord was with him. I mean, how many of us have that friend that when they come, when we're with them, they bring along with them, not really directly, but just some, almost as a consequence of their presence, there is laughter, fun, and joy in the room. That's the same way in which the benefits of the presence of God enrich our lives. The one way to have something to be grateful for is not to go through it alone. So the question is, who is in your boat with you when you're going through the storms? And you know, there may be someone listening who has been through a really difficult experience 
maybe that you've survived a tragedy and you're wondering, what do I do now? And I just want to encourage you not to go through this alone. Find someone to, to journey with, someone you can trust. And, you know, if you haven't before, invite Jesus into your boat. For me, having Jesus in my boat is really amazing. He transforms my experience of the storms. Just like it did for Joseph, changing the experience of being in prison, changing the experience of being a slave. And you might be thinking, well, I'm not so sure about this whole presence of God thing. Um, I've heard a few things here and there about Jesus. And, you know, it doesn't really sound very attractive or very, you know, it doesn't sound like it's for me. But what I will say is don't let someone who is not the person of Jesus put you off from getting to know who Jesus actually is. It's like you wouldn't want to be written off by someone because they've heard something that someone in your family misunderstood or misinterpreted and told everybody. Just taste and see. So, when we're going through something challenging and difficult, we can get a gratitude boost or several gratitude boosts if we don't go it alone, if we have someone with us in our boat. So set yourself up now to be grateful in the future. Who do you do life with? And we can be grateful not only for the presence of others, but also for our presence. Us being fully present in the moment, applying our gifts, skills, and talents, and serving well to the best of our ability so that we can know the joy of contributing to something meaningful that blesses others. And so I hope that wherever you are listening to this and whatever you're going through, you're now able to get more of the GBs, those gratitude boosts that just make the day, the moment much better than it was before and that you have an excellent day.